All right, good evening. If you could turn in your Bible with me to Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, my family and I, we were out and about yesterday uh, when Pastor called and said uh, his first words to me on the phone were, Hi, Bobby, this is Pastor from Peru. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> and he said, you know how we tell the students they need to be ready to preach, pray, or die? <clears throat> I said, I'm in, Pastor. Um, well, Pastor asked me to speak yesterday uh, for tonight here today, and as I've meditated uh, since then, honestly, I am very thrilled uh, with how the Lord has put some truth together in my heart and how he has wed it with a journey that I'm currently on myself, um, even some of the circumstances that we found ourselves in, uh, just to see. Um, it, it's neat how, I don't know, those of you that are preachers, uh, young men, and other folks that get a chance to communicate the Word of God, there are times when you study the Word of God and you stand up and you preach what it says because it's true, because God is true, and God means what He says, and uh, you preach it in a certain sense just because God said so, and therefore it's true, and it's going to be a blessing to other people. But I kind of feel like I'm living right now what I'm about to preach. Um, and, and that's a good thing, I think, um, as we're going to see here in, in just a second. Um, you know, uh, in a couple days, uh, we're all going to find ourselves probably sitting around a table and we're going to find ourselves packing our guts full of turkey uh, and stuffing and cranberry sauce. Although I heard there's a shortage of that. I don't know whether that's true or not. I have not verified it, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to stuffing myself full of pie, too. I don't know about anybody else here. Um, but um, inevitably, what typically happens, at least in Christian homes, uh, around Thanksgiving, you all have eaten your fill, and you're sitting around the table, and somebody in the family, and maybe this is a tradition of yours, I don't know, somebody in the family looks around and says, hey, we ought to talk about something that we're thankful for. And you know what often happens, I have found, at least in my experience, it, maybe it depends on your home, but sometimes what can happen is everybody looks around awkwardly and they're kind of like, who's going to start? Uh, and inevitably somebody says, I'm thankful for my salvation, right? And, and listen, we've sung about that here tonight, and I'm so thankful. We have so much to be thankful for in what Jesus has done for us, and um, I'm sure some folks say things like, you know, I'm thankful that I've got a warm house to sleep in at night. Or, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I have a job. Or I'm thankful that I've got a car. And, you know, it kind of gets to the point where it's kind of like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel in the whole thankfulness thing. You know what I'm talking about? I don't even know what I'm talking about here, okay? And it's like, okay, you're, you're scraping just a little bit. And sometimes, unfortunately, when we do think of something to say it's just forced, it's a little bit awkward, it's kind of assumed, and frankly, it doesn't often seem like it's from the heart. You know what I'm talking about here? Um, and, I, and I hope that's not the case in your home, but listen, we're all made of the same thing, I'm sure. If it's happened in mine, it, it's happened in yours as well. You know, if most of the folks around the table were to be honest, I would imagine that they would probably think something like this, you know, I'd be a whole lot more thankful if... You know, I'd be a whole lot more thankful if I made a little more money, right? I'd be a whole lot more thankful if so-and-so wasn't in my life. 
I'd be a whole lot more thankful if I had a, a, a more fulfilling job. I'd be a whole lot more thankful if such and such a thing didn't happen that just happened the other day. I'd be a whole lot more thankful if it was warmer outside. Right, Hendersons? <laughs> I'd be a whole lot more thankful if my brother would stop doing that to me under the table. And unfortunately, even in our celebrations of Thanksgiving, oftentimes we're, we're not very thankful because we feel like we'd be more thankful if things would go a little bit differently. And unfortunately, our misery and our, thankfulness, our thanklessness, rather, is the very reason why we find ourselves experiencing the misery that we're in. Let me put it to you this way. When we don't, what we don't realize is that we are oftentimes a victim of our own unthankfulness. If I could put it to you this way, it's actually our thankless attitude that leaves us vulnerable to the very things that we're complaining about. In uh, Philippians chapter 4, I, I want us to see something here because, you know, when we think about the word thanksgiving, we think about praising God, oftentimes I think we have a very limited focus for what we mean by that. And oftentimes I think what we think of when we think of thanksgiving and what we ought to be thankful for is we take a look around our circumstances around us and we ask ourselves the question, what am I happy about? What is it about my life that I like? But I want you to understand that thankfulness goes so much deeper than that. Thanks, true thanks, through, true thanksgiving is so much richer. It is so much more life-changing than just looking around and thinking, what do I like about my life right now? And frankly, if we live our lives only thanking God for the things around us that we like, we're going to be miserable. You see, Thanksgiving isn't just something that should happen this time of year, and it's not just a responsibility that we have, though it certainly is a responsibility that we have. And I'm thankful that our nation has set aside a day uh, in which we can recognize that God is the ultimate source of all that is good and plentiful and bounteous in our lives. But I want you to understand that this matter of giving thanks, of praising Him, is not just a matter of responsibility it's also a matter of our absolute essential defense. What I want to speak to you about here this evening is the defense of thanksgiving. I want you to see this in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse number 4. Here the scripture says this. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I would say most people, when they look at the book of Philippians, they would say, oh, Philippians are all about rejoicing, right? It's all about, you know, woohoo, praise God, God is good. And that certainly is a part of the book, and that is going to be a part of what we're going to be talking about here this evening. But I want you to see that what we typically think about when we think about rejoicing is a matter of faith. And it's a matter that is absolutely essential for your own 
protection. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation or your meekness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And let me just explain that real quickly. He's saying, listen, I want, I want you to be known by your meekness. And I want you to be known by the fact that God is near and present in your day in and day out life. I recognize some people take that phrase, the Lord is at hand, to say the Lord is coming, he's coming soon. But there are also others that take that in the sense that the Lord is here. He is nigh, he is near. But notice the next verse. It says, be careful for nothing. And I think most of us understand the idea of that word careful is the idea of anxiety or being anxious or being worried for nothing, but instead in everything, by prayer and supplication, and here's the word, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall, what's the next word? Keep, guard, protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Understand that this matter of thanksgiving is not just a matter of us giving God his due praise. This whole matter of thanksgiving as we see it here in this context and in this verse is absolutely essential to the guarding and protecting of our hearts. In fact, I would say it this way, an unthankful heart is an unguarded heart. And it's vulnerable. You say, what's it vulnerable to, Mr. Bosler? Well, I, if you look at the context, there's two possibilities here. One, I would say, is the, probably the first thing that most of us think about. We are vulnerable to worry or anxiety, right? But there's another thing that's not quite so obvious. But before I tell you what that is here, I, I want to I illustrate just this idea of an unguarded mind. Um, a couple months ago, I was preparing for a message, and as I was preparing, I was just meditating on a few things, and I ran across uh, a video about some ants, okay? Um, these ants were just, you know, going around, doing their own thing in the jungle. But see, here's the thing. There is this fungus that's called cordyceps, okay? That kind of sounds like an over-the-counter drug, doesn't it? <clears throat> cordyceps is a fungus that essentially, if any of those spores land on a certain species of ant, something very unusual will take place. This, uh, this spore will latch hold of the ant's head and it will start to grow. Not only, it won't grow out, it actually starts by growing in. What happens is this fungus ends up literally invading their brain. Okay, it weasels its way into their gray matter and it not only just finds a home in there, it starts pushing buttons and pulling levers, so to speak. Literally, this fungus takes control of the ant's mind and body. And what it does is it starts to cause this ant to climb up a stalk and it leads it all the way up to the top. And when it gets to the top of that, that branch or that stalk of grass, it kills it. 
And right on the top, you've got this dead carcass of an ant all gnarled and twisted up, holding on to this stick, and then something even creepier takes place. That fungus begins to go, grow straight out of the top of its head, and it starts to grow this stalk that gets taller and taller and taller. Once it's reached its height, that stalk, boom, explodes. Spores go everywhere, and they slowly, like the snow yesterday, rain down upon the surrounding jungle. And you know what happens? If any one of those spores touches an ant's mind, a head, guess what? It latches on and repeats the entire process. In fact, what I was studying when I was looking into that, I know, I, I was preaching that the other day at a church, and a pastor wrote on a piece of paper, zombie ants, and held it up for everybody behind them to see. <coughs> you know, it, it's interesting because um, those ants, when they see another ant kind of doing this and crawling up a branch, you know what they do? The ants, for their own self-preservation, they literally grab that ant and run for the hills. <laughs> they grab that thing and they go off as far as they can and just fling them away from their population because they know if those spores explode, they're completely defenseless. And the entire population is vulnerable and can literally be destroyed by a single fungus. See, here's the thing. When we do not engage in this matter of thanksgiving, we also are vulnerable, just like that ant population. You say vulnerable to what we already talked about, the matter of worry. He says, don't be anxious, but instead pray. And don't just pray. Pray with thanksgiving. We're going to say a little bit more about that. But, you know, I want us to think about this concept of anxiety, because typically when we think of anxiety, what we think about is this, uh, this unsettled state of mind, this worry, this fear about uncertainty in the future. And perhaps some of you suffer from anxiety. Maybe some of you have been in situations in your life where you're anxious about what's coming up. Maybe some of you are anxious about finals for Greek <clears throat> coming up in uh, just about a week and uh, a little over a week. Uh, maybe some of you are anxious uh, about what's going to happen when you go home over Christmas break. You're looking for a job. Maybe some of you are anxious about Thanksgiving dinner and what Topics might come up around the table. Maybe some of you are anxious about how you're going to pay your bills. Maybe some of you are anxious about a health situation going on in your life. Maybe some of you are anxious about the future when it comes to who you're going to marry. Maybe some of you are anxious. You're anxious about a relative. You're not sure what's going to happen. You're anxious about a need that you have in your life. And it's easy for our minds to be vulnerable to this fear of the future. And just like those spores can control that ant, we often can be controlled by our fears. We can be controlled by that anxiety. It determines the quality of life throughout your day. It determines how long you sleep at night. It determines how do you respond to your children. It determines how, how loud you sing at church. It determines the quality of work that you do in your workplace. This anxiety can rob us of all that God wants us to experience and we can find ourselves vulnerable and controlled by that fear 
of uncertainty, that, that fear of the future. But as you think about this, I, I think anxiety is not just a matter of uh, fear of the future. I think sometimes we can find ourselves equally also being upset about the past. When I see that word anxiety, I don't think it's just talking about our, our, uh, our, our predisposition towards the future. I think it can also have to do and make us vulnerable to bitterness. You know, um, again, I, I just want you to think about this here. Oftentimes, what is it that robs you of your joy day in and day out? For some of us, what robs us of our joy and of our peace, what robs us of that quality of life, that abounding, abundant life that God wants us to have is we're worried about tomorrow. Where am I going to pay for this? But sometimes what robs us of our joy and of our peace is I can't believe they did that to me. I can't believe they said that. Can you believe that so-and-so would look at me like that? Can you believe that someone would have the gall to do what they did and to say what they said? Oftentimes I found that we find ourselves angry because of hurts from our past. And here's the thing, I just want you to understand. Uh, again, this verse, verse 7, says that God wants to keep or guard or protect our hearts from this, this matter of uh, anxiety. And, and in fact, as I was studying this, I found someone who, who made this statement here. He said, uh, he said this, um, sorry, let me find this here. He said, rejoicing doesn't just guard your hearts against discouragement, but also against division. If I am choosing to rejoice in the Lord over my circumstances or situation, it will be nearly impossible to hold a grudge against those with whom I'm involved. It's an either or proposition. A natural consequence of truly rejoicing in the Lord about something is the inability to complain about the same thing. If I'm going to forgive someone, it will require me to let go of any bitterness or resentment I might harbor toward them. If you're resentful, you're not rejoicing. Listen, I want you to think about this. In our life, in our experience, we often find ourselves experiencing what we would consider uh, offenses, right? Uh, maybe we found ourselves betrayed. There was a person we thought we could trust. We shared sensitive information with that. And they went behind our backs and blabbed it to a bunch of people that, frankly, you didn't want them to. We've all experienced betrayal. And here's the thing. If we are not living the reality of verses 6 and 7, we are going to be vulnerable to bitterness. Maybe somebody gossiped about us. Maybe somebody blew up at us, screamed at us, yelled at us. Maybe we found someone who, uh, who preferred someone else in what you perceive to be an unjust way over you. They passed over you in a situation. Maybe you found yourself viewing uh, favoritism. Maybe somebody said unkind words towards you. Maybe they intended it, maybe they didn't. Maybe you found a situation that just didn't seem fair and the people involved didn't seem to care. Maybe you found yourself the victim of verbal abuse, physical abuse perhaps, 
emotional abuse. Maybe you found yourself being manipulated by someone to achieve their desired outcome. Maybe you found yourself being neglected, where you feel like they should have attended to your needs, but instead they just ignored them and kept on, and you're pretty sure they noticed, but they decided to ignore them. Maybe you found yourself the victim of bullying, snubbing, or unfair treatment. Um, these are what I would say are real and legitimate offenses, situations where perhaps these individuals really were doing wrong by you. But when these offenses happen in our lives, we can find ourselves vulnerable to those offenses, just like those spores with those ants infecting our mind. And they dig their tendrils deep inside of us and we find ourselves experiencing a root of bitterness. And it kind of wrecks our lives, doesn't it? It controls how we think. Many times it controls our, uh, our emotions, our experiences throughout our day. Many times we find ourselves mulling over what that person did or what that person said. We find ourselves angry, upset, stewing, um, we find ourselves defiled, and again, I'm not going to preach Hebrews 12. Dr. Jim does a far better job than I do at that. But Hebrews 12 says, a root of bitterness springing up, troubling us, and thereby many be defiled. And what can happen is when we are not <clears throat> um, experiencing the reality of verses 6 and 7, we are unguarded. We are vulnerable vulnerable to worry. Oh no, what's going to happen next week? What's going to happen to my business? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my finances? I don't know what's going to happen. We're upset about the future or we can be upset about the past. I can't believe my roommate did that. I can't believe my spouse said that again. We find ourselves unsettled. We find ourselves troubled. We find ourselves definitely not at peace. So how do you handle that? Again, there's so much that could be said, and frankly, I'm only uh, touching the tip of the iceberg here tonight. But I would say this, our hearts need delivering. We need deliverance. Um, I, I want you to see something here. The word in verse 4, rejoice, it's repeated twice here. It's repeated several times throughout the, uh, throughout the letter. Um, that word rejoice is related very clearly in the Greek to the word thanksgiving in verse number six. So if I could say it this way, in verse number four, in a certain sense, he's saying, listen, not just rejoice in the sense of saying whoop-de-doo, not just in the sense of saying glory, hallelujah, not just in the sense of saying praise God, but rejoice in the sense of giving thanks to God. He says rejoice in the Lord, not necessarily in the circumstances. And he says it again. In fact, this is the second time in this letter he's repeated himself for the sake of his audience. And again, I say rejoice. You need to praise God for this 
situation and this circumstances. I want you to notice the focus is God. The focus, you could say, is vertical. The focus is not this way and on my circumstances. We're not praising God or giving thanks necessarily because things are going my way or because so-and-so is just such a blessing. We're not necessarily praising God because we can see how everything is going to work out. We're not necessarily praising God because it looks good. But I would argue that sometimes we're praising God because God is good. You see, this, this focus, rejoice in the Lord. In fact, you look down at verse number six, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. And the key there is with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known Unto God, the focus is God. Listen, I mark my words. If you find yourself unthankful, bitter, worried, I will guarantee one thing about your life. You're focused on the circumstances and you're not focused on your God. You're focused on how tough things are for you right now. You're focused on how impossible it looks. You're focused on the fact that you are not experiencing what you wanted to experience at this moment in your life. You're focused on the person who hurt you. You're focused on the person who's standing in your way for you getting what you want to get. The focus is horizontal. And let me tell you something, as long as our focus is horizontal and in the human realm of what is possible, you're going to keep on being miserable and you're going to keep on being unguarded. Listen, your expectation is shaped by your view of God. If you will get a hold of the fact that the God who loved you so much to send his son to die on the cross for your sins, the God who loved you unconditionally so that he could provide unconditional forgiveness and eternal life, that God continues to unconditionally love you right now in the midst of your circumstances. And that God who loved you loves you. That God who sacrificed for you will take care of you right now. That God, in fact, has not dropped the ball. He's got the ball. You see, if you understand the fact that God is for you all day long, every day, if you'll understand the fact that God is on your side. He's not standing up in heaven with his arm outstretched, ready to smack you across the face because you messed up. God is there, ready to help, ready to deliver. And he's not waiting until you get your act together. I would argue he's working on it all right now. He's setting you up for a victory right now, even in the midst of your misery. God is working behind the scenes because he cares for you, because he loves you, because he's on your side. The focus is God, but I want you to see something else here. The means is thanksgiving. He says, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be bothered about anything, but instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication, we need to come to God. We need to come to God, but not just coming to God to whine. 
not just coming to God to complain, not just coming to God to present our case, not just coming to God to say, God, this is bad in my life, and I don't like this about my life, and this isn't the way I want it to be, and I want this, and I want that. No, it's not coming to God complaining. It's not coming to God grousing, whining. It's coming to God, yes, with your requests, but with thanksgiving. I recognize you may not catch the burden of my heart right here at this point in time. Listen, we need to give thanks unto God, not just for what looks good, but we need to give thanks to God for what might even look really, really bad. Um, don't turn there, but Colossians 2 verse 7 tells us abounding therein specifically in faith with thanksgiving. And oftentimes I think we want to abound in faith. We in our lives, we want to be full of faith in these circumstances. But when everything looks terrible and when it looks hopeless and when it looks like our best efforts are leaving us dry and God is deserting us and he's abandoning us and we find ourselves in a situation where we just don't know how to move forward. It's easy to just gripe and complain. But what God wants us to do is he wants us to praise him not just for what's going right. He wants us to praise him for what looks like it's going wrong. Because here's the thing. God's in control of both of those things. He, not just, he doesn't just want us to praise him for the good and the bad. He wants us to praise him for the past and the future. Not just for uh, what has come. And by the way, I want you to know that in your life, the very things that are making you angry and upset at somebody, you need to praise God that he is working it together for good. The very people that have betrayed you and abandoned you, the very people who've gossiped about you, who've talked behind your back, the very people who perhaps have passed you over in sheer favoritism, the people in your life who have said things to you that were hurtful and maybe they even meant it, the people in your life who are cranky and made your life miserable, the people in your life that perhaps robbed you of something that you felt you deserved, you need to be able to come to God and say, God, I don't just believe that you can work that together for good. I believe that you intended that for my good. Does not God say he works all things together for good? Isn't That's in the Bible, right? That's in here? That's my life verse because really it's the story of my life. And I don't want to go and tell my whole story here this evening. But listen, everything from the circumstances surrounding my confession, I should not be here tonight. I should not exist. Yet God took a sinful encounter and brought a youth evangelist into the world, I'd say God worked that together for good. When I was a young person, 12 years old, my mom, my adopted mother, died. She died. God took her from me. And I was so mad at God for so long. I lived in the gall of bitterness for years and years of my life. I was upset because God ruined my life, not understanding that God was making my life. And I'm not saying that in the difficult things you need to just uh, crassly say, well, God is good. 
you need to recognize that God has an amazing plan that he is weaving through the valley of your trial, even through the outright terrible sins of other people. And you need to recognize that when people betray you and when people hurt you, God is up to something because God is good. Listen, when the future seems uncertain and you're tempted to worry, you can come and say, God, I may not know how this is going to turn out. I may not understand why things happen the way that they've happened. I may not know the path, but I know that you are good, that you've got me in your hands, and God, I trust you. I believe you, and I praise you for this right now. Think of the thing in your life that's the most hurtful thing that you're currently going through. Think about the person who is not treating you right. Think about that one person or many people who aren't treating you right. That one person that whenever you think about them, your blood pressure goes up just a little bit. Think about that one person in your life that just, it, it, it kind of spoils your day when you, when you see them or they talk to you. That one person that just seems so full of themselves, you can't stand them, right? That one person in your life that just makes your life miserable or the one circumstance in your life that just seems to be the worst thing that's ever happened to you in your entire life. I've got a question for you. Has God intended that thing for good? Has he? Yes or no? Yes, he has. And you have a responsibility to say so. You have a responsibility not just to believe that theoretically, possibly, perhaps in some alternate dimension, God could work this together for good, but you have a responsibility right now to say, God, you are working that together for good right now. And I thank you for bringing it into my life. for the good and the bad, for the past and the future, and sometimes when you praise God for working it together for good, you feel like a complete hypocrite. Because you don't feel it. At least not at first. I remember years ago, I was in Georgia. I was uh, doing a meeting in Smyrna, Georgia. We were scheduled to go to another city in Georgia uh, just a couple days later, and I got a phone call from the pastor of the next church. Long story short, the pastor told me, he said, hey, Brother Bosler, I just looked at the packet, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> it's like two days away, <laughs> and he just looked at the packet. We're in trouble. He said, yeah, there's a whole lot in here. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I'm going to cancel the meeting. And I remember saying, um, sir, uh, uh, we'll pick up the slack. We'll do what we need to do. Good night. We'll do it for free. I mean, come on. If you cancel this meeting, I just want you to know we're going to end up sitting in a hotel for an entire week doing nothing for Jesus. And I'd rather come and do it for free and do 100% of the work than to can for you to cancel this meeting. He said, I know you are, and I know you'd probably do a great job, but if it's all right with you, I'd just like to cancel anyway. And I'm thinking, it's not all right with me, but I don't really have a choice. And I remember I got off the phone and I felt absolutely abused. I felt wronged. I was offended. 
And I remember as I was walking down the hallway of that church, I was seething in my heart because I felt like this guy is just being so unreasonable. This guy is just, ah, oh, this is terrible. What is he doing? Selfish. That's what he is. He's selfish. And I walked out of the parking lot, out to my truck, and I remember I sat down in my truck and I felt the root of bitterness beginning to control my thinking. And I thought, uh-uh, I don't want to go back there. I don't want that. And I said, Lord, I don't. I don't know what you're doing. I don't get it. This doesn't seem right. I don't like this. And to be perfectly honest with you, I have no idea how this is going to work out. But, God, I believe that you... I was hesitating because I felt like a hypocrite for saying it because I didn't even believe what I was saying. I just knew it was true. And I said, God, I believe that you are working this together for good, and I thank you for the canceled meeting. And I thought, I am such a hypocrite. I don't feel that at all. Unbeknownst to me, just about an hour later, in the middle of the woods in North Carolina, a pastor was on his knees saying, God, how do you want me to reach the teens in my community? He got a text from Dr. Jim who said, hey, we just had a team cancel. You interested in taking the meeting? Long story short, it was one of the most amazing meetings I've ever had in my entire life. And I think God rerouted us because he wanted us there that day. I'm just saying all of that to say, listen, once I got my heart straight, once I stopped complaining, once I stopped seething, once I stopped being upset about the circumstances and got my focus back on God and said, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I know you're good and I know you're going to do something great through this. I don't get it, but thank you. I praise you for this terrible looking circumstances because it's not terrible, it's good. And I don't know how it's good, but I know you're good. And so I can trust you and believe you that you are working it together for good right now. The product, the product is peace. He says if we in everything, everything, the good and the bad, the past and the future, in everything, if we will come to God and not just ask, but ask praising God that he is doing something great through it. With thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. Here's the result and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. It'll keep, it'll guard, it'll protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, what God will do is he will give you a settled confidence that he's got this, that he's in control, that he is up to something. I said at the beginning of the message that God's been doing something in my heart about this, and I'll just tell you briefly what he's doing. Uh, on Sunday, I wasn't here. I was out in Viroqua, Wisconsin, preaching for Matt Weber, and uh, had a great time. He was out uh, hunting, <clears throat> uh, but uh, he had me come and cover for him there, and um, I preached in the morning, did a bunch of work, graded a bunch of things in the afternoon, preached in the evening. They had a later service, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8.15 or so when I was done. I hopped in my van and I started driving back this direction. It's about a three-hour drive, 18 minutes into the drive. Well, I, sh I should back up just a little bit and say uh, 
youth pastor was talking all about Pastor uh, Heffernan and how he, uh, his wife was uh, heading to the hospital to have a baby and a deer jumped out and, and uh, they hit a deer and thankfully it didn't hit the radiator too bad and so they're able to make it the rest of the way with a damaged car and they showed me pictures of the car and all that stuff and I thought, oh yeah, that's great, that's I'm glad they made it to the hospital. Later on that evening, um, as I was about ready to leave, uh, Tim Roberts, the youth leader out there, he says, be careful, there's a lot of deer out there. They're rucking. I don't know what that means, but they're doing it, okay? <clears throat> I think I know what it means, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> 18 minutes down the road, all of a sudden, boom! I see a, a deer in a headlight, <laughs> and then I see a deer Lying. <clears throat> Santa. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't Santa, that's for sure. But it was a flying deer, that's for sure. And I remember my first thought was, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Surely it can't be as bad as it is. I drove for another mile and a half thinking, I didn't just hit a deer. My car's fine. Look, I'm still driving. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, they say the first stage is denial, right? That was me. Everything's fine. I'm good. Everything's good. Everything's fine. That was not a faith statement, by the way. <clears throat> um, and I thought, I, then I looked at the hood after I kind of got over the shock and I saw the hood was all rumpled and I thought, oh no, I should pull over. I pulled over and sure enough, I was dripping all kinds of coolant and I knew I would not get much further down the road. It's like 20 degrees outside. I called up Tim Roberts and I said, hey, I got a deer. <laughs> um, and I told him what had happened. He said, I'll be right there. 10, 15 minutes later, he arrived with their church van full of fuel and uh, he came and long story short, um, they let me take the van to come back here, um, but uh, the van was totaled. And um, I'll be honest with you, as I found myself uh, sitting in the van with the flashers on, shivering because it was cold and I didn't want to leave the van on for fear that it would blow up, um, I was sitting there thinking, I don't like this. <laughs> but apparently you want us to, new, to have a new van. And I remember thinking, it's time for an upgrade, Lord. God, you've got this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You know, uh, this last week has been a, a lot of twists and turns. Uh, I've been working with insurance, and I'm not going to go into all the details except to say this. I was very horizontally focused throughout much of last week, just to be perfectly honest with you. Very much focused on, got to get the right amount of money out of the insurance. And uh, very much focused on, got to get the right van, you know, got to find a van, got to find a van and a good, uh, get a good rate. Very focused on this direction, on what is possible, on what can be, and not, to be perfectly honest with you, a whole lot focused on this way right here. Oh, I wanted to be. Oh, I wanted to be. And um, yesterday, uh, I and my, my family, we had had a bunch of leads. We were going to go out and we were going to look at, look at some vans. And I remember... Um, just spending some time with the Lord in the morning before we went out. And uh, I remember as I was just reading through the scripture, the Lord stirred my heart that I needed to stop looking this way. And I needed to look this way for the God who could command deliverance. 
And I remember I made a very intentional choice to stop trying to figure out how to make it happen and just to look to him and praise him that he had this under control. Immediately, God gave me peace and God gave me joy. As we went out into the van, uh, well, the church van from the other church, um, as we started driving, looking at vehicles, honestly, in my heart, there was an anticipation because I believed that God was going to do something. As we went, there were some vans we looked at and we thought, no, no, that's not the right van. Nope, nope, too expensive. That's just not the right van. They're asking too much for that anyway. This van over here, oh, that's kind of nice, but it just doesn't seem right. And I remember at the very end of the day, I remember we, uh, we drove up. And remember, we were just talking about how heavy it was snowing yesterday. That was right when we were arriving at the very last stop of our day. And uh, we arrived and we saw this van and it was gorgeous, beautiful. In fact, the Lord had given us peace to make a specific offer. And I thought, well, you know what? Um, Lord, this is the offer we're going to make. I'm trusting you, looking to you. And frankly, I'm not looking to wangle this guy into any deal. I'm looking for you, God, to make your will known because you, you've got this, God. You're doing something. Okay? So we show up. I take a test drive, slipping and sliding all over the road because it was covered in snow. And uh, we get back, and I'm thinking, man, this is the van. God, this is the van. This is awesome. This is great. This is the king's way. This is beautiful. This is perfect. Came inside, and I thought, this is going to be great, right? I'm going to make the offer, and he's going to take it. And I made my offer, and he said, no way. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I got nothing to lose here. So I told the guy, I said, I've been praying. And I want you to know, as I prayed, God told me this was the amount that I was supposed to offer to you. And if you didn't take the offer... It wasn't the van that God had for us. So you can take it or leave it, Buster. <laughs> I didn't say it exactly like that, but that was essentially how I pictured myself saying it in my mind. <laughs> you know, he kind of made a little counteroffer, and I had had a little counteroffer in mind as well that I felt like the Lord had, had uh, given me peace on. And so made the counteroffer. He said, you know what? I, I really don't think this is going to work, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll contact my dad and we'll let you know on Monday morning. This was yesterday, like 4 p.m., something like that. And so we left and I'm thinking, he's not going to take it. He's not going to take it. He's not going to take it. Okay. He's not going to take it. And as we're driving, I was a little bit feeling like, ah, did we waste our time? I don't know. But you know what? God, you've got this. You led us to make the offer. I made the offer. And as we were talking, my wife and I, we weren't exactly sure how to process this. We were just looking to the Lord. And I remember I, I told my wife this. I said, you know what, dear? <clears throat> if um, I really feel like that's the van, but I got to know that's God's van for us. And so I said, hey, hon, why don't we, why don't we pray? that if that's the van God wants us to have, that he'll supply X amount of money by Monday morning. Okay, sure. Honestly, I didn't think a whole lot more about it. This morning, I shared with my Sunday school table. I didn't even share that one last part, but I shared with them my journey a little bit and um, went home after the service and uh, my wife came in a little bit later and she said, you asked for a thousand bucks, Bobby. She threw a check on the bed and it wasn't any of you okay this was completely out of the blue confirmation of 
what the Lord is doing. And you know, <clears throat> I didn't need that to rejoice, but it sure helped. <laughs> Why am I saying all this? Because you know, as long as our focus is horizontal, as long as we are griping and grousing about how, thing, how much more thankful we'd be if X or Y happened, we are completely unprotected and unguarded to worry and bitterness. But if we will come to the Lord and bring our request to him and praise God that he is working it together for good, if we will thank him before we see anything, trusting and resting in him to work out the details and to do it all, I'm telling you, he gives a peace that passes all understanding. And he protects you. Listen, we... Um, this Thanksgiving season, let's not just praise God for the things that we like about our life. Let's praise God for the things that we don't, that he is working them together for good because he 